I was extremely uh, frustrated with, with God. God, I, I knew you called me to CCV. Why did you uncall me? I couldn't figure that out. And so, as it turned out, he didn't uncall me. I uncalled me. What God has done in my life, he has given me the opportunity to steward the resources of our people that is literally impacting the world. I mean, for those of you that may not be aware, we give 10% of everything that comes into the church goes into missions, and I'm responsible for that. So I take that very seriously, and I have to say I am more excited about what God is going to do through our church and through our ministry than any time in the history of CCV and in my life. I mean, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen. Welcome to the Let's Go 360 podcast. I'm your host, Mark Moore, the teaching pastor of Christ Church of the Valley. Now, if you've listened to these podcasts in the past, you think, wait a minute, you're not the host. Larry Fraley, the lead missions pastor of CCV, is the host. Not today. Because I want to interview Larry Fraley. I had to actually twist his arm to get him to do this, but I thought it would be important and helpful for the listeners to know who is the man behind the missions at CCV. Now, obviously, it's a big team effort, but he is the point man for helping CCV use our resources, people, time, and talent to bring Jesus to people here, near, and far. And what this podcast is really all about is what's your role in making Jesus famous around the world. So, Larry, thank you for letting me invade your space here, and thank you for what you're doing for CCV. Give us just a little bit of personal background of you and your family, maybe how you and Sheila brought the kids here to Arizona. Well, it's I have to admit, Mark, this is a bit strange, but um, we'll get <laughs> through it. Uh, so, Sheila and I are from Ohio small town in Ohio, southern Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, Ohio, little town called Hamilton. Uh, small town, I think the 30,000 population. Our oldest daughter, Shauna, uh, was suffering with some allergies and particularly mold. And uh, she ended up in the hospital at least two to three times a year. And they could not figure out how to fix this. So the doctor suggested we should perhaps consider a drier climate. Well, the drier climate turned out to be Phoenix. And uh, one summer, uh, we, I took off on a plane uh, to uh, go spend a week in Phoenix to have uh, with three, three goals. The first goal was to find a church. And I had done some research, so I knew the church I was going to go to first. The second goal was to find a job, and then the third was to find a house. So on Sunday afternoon, I landed in Phoenix, and on Monday morning, I went to the church and knocked on the door. The door opened, and there was a guy by the name of Don Wilson. You may have heard of him, there. the founder of CCV, founding pastor. Yeah. He was a youth pastor at First Christian Church, and um, he was planning to go into uh, these young adults. And so we spent most of the day together. I mean, here I am showing up out of nowhere. He didn't know me from Adam. And Don Wilson probably spent five or six hours with me. The morning, he showed me around the city. Uh, we had lunch. And uh, by the end of the day, I had found our church. On day two, I got up and started looking for a job. And by Wednesday afternoon, two job offers, found a job. 
on Friday, uh, per Don Wilson's recommendation of a realtor, um, went and looked at some homes and found one, made an offer contingent upon my wife's approval, and we had found a house. So by Saturday, I was, was back in, in Ohio having found a church, a job, and a house. And by the following Saturday, our whole family was in Phoenix, and we didn't know anyone except Don Wilson. So that was the this, of how we got here. Um, we, of course, attended church there with all the young adults there and was uh, formed uh, some very, very close friendships, uh, which we still have today. And um, during that time frame, Don decided that it was time for him to become a senior pastor. And so he became the senior pastor of Northwest Christian Church, and uh, we all, of course, went there with him. That didn't last very long because uh, Don wanted to expand the church and do some things that would actually grow the church. And the elders said they liked it the size that it was. Well, of course, that was not going to work with Don. So in April of 1982, Christ Church of the Valley was formed. I was one of the original four officers uh, of that church and became the chairman of the elders, of which I knew nothing about. And by the way, Don didn't really know what he was doing either. And so off we went. Here we had a church called uh, Christ Church of the Valley, and we operated out of a theater at Metro Center. Don's first services, uh, he we went door to door uh, telling people when the service was going to come, and if they came, they would receive free popcorn. And uh, sure enough, people showed up, and uh, they got their popcorn. We had a little help because of we were involved uh, pretty heavily in sports, particularly soccer. And uh, I had played soccer previously in Ohio, and we had come out and got the girls involved, got a lot of parents involved. And so the very first service of CCV had 50 soccer parents. And Larry, as I'm listening to you talk about this, I'm thinking in some ways this is so different, but in some ways the the bones are still there. The Emphasis on sports, the emphasis on evangelism, uh, charismatic young leaders who are making an impact aggressively for Jesus. So uh, fast forward to the first time you came on staff. Well, I had uh, worked at Intel Corporation for, you know, the 80s up until 1998. And during that time, uh, serving the church, being involved in the eldership. And then in 1998, about 10 years after Don has prompted me now for 10 years, making me feel extremely guilty, asking me on a regular basis when I was going to do something important with my life and, and, um, and come on staff. So in 1998, I left uh, Intel Corporation after 20 years and came on staff as – we didn't call it the, the executive pastor, but if I look at what I did at the time, that was pretty much my role. And my first job was to get Don Wilson onto a computer. He was still doing his sermons on a typewriter. He was not going to let goose loose of that typewriter. So I had to create a computer which had a game on it called 21, Solitaire. And because Don loved to play cards, he actually started playing that game, and that taught him how to move a mouse. And that's all it took. Once he, he was used to it, uh, he switched over to, to a word processor pretty quick. Yeah, he's, he is not an early adopter on technology, but, but he has made some incredible use of it. So that, that was your, your first role, but then you also went back to Intel yeah. briefly. Yeah, that was a fairly 
dark year. As I was here on staff, it became obvious to me that Don and uh, my leadership philosophy was different. Having come out of Intel for 20 years, that was heavily leadership-oriented with heavy training. There were some principles that I believed in that I think Don was still trying to learn. You know, when you come out of Bible college, it's not like you get a lot of business and leadership training. So there were some things that we were still trying to to, to work on, and um, I became frustrated and actually left. Uh, it didn't didn't help that Intel called me and and said, "Hey, we we need you back here on some projects." And then, of course, I was going through this struggle, and I decided to leave. And, and the salary was probably quite a bit higher. Uh, yes. And so, speaking because I am a Bible college guy, a lot of leadership of Don was really intuitive. Mm-hmm. And you came out of a systems orientation. And so a, a bit of a clash is not terribly surprising. Right. But at some point you said, I really want the significance of working in a church over the success of working at Intel. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that was that was the initial decision to go. And, uh, and that's why I came. Um, but then after the, when I went back, it was the worst year of my life. Things happened during that year that was just not, not good, number one. Uh, I was extremely uh, frustrated with with God. God, I, I knew you called me to CCV. Why did you uncall me? I couldn't figure that out. And so, as it turned out, he didn't uncall me. I uncalled me. So after a year uh, of, of dealing with that, uh, Don and I got back together and talked about things. And, you know, I came back to the church. It was the best decision coming back. And so when I came back, uh, Don and I agreed that, you know what, why don't you focus on other areas that um, you were gifted in? And one of those happened to be uh, missions. Even though I didn't have missions experience, I had a ton of, of cultural experience. With Intel, I traveled all over the world and even to the Holy Land. We, Intel had a, had a facility in Jerusalem, so I spent you know, time going back and forth to the Holy Land. I went to Asia a lot. So I went all over the world and I developed this 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 real love and passion for people and particularly Asia for some reason. And um, it was in India that triggered my, what I call calling to missions. Hey, let, me, let me pause there for a second, Larry, because what I'm hearing you describe is not dissimilar to Paul and Barnabas in the New Testament, where at some point, they said, we can't work together, but we're going to go strategically in different directions so that the mission can go all over the world. And so it's interesting to me that even the time away, though a dark year, pushed you in the direction that you have been doing ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting that you you mentioned that, Mark, because um, there was some times that I struggled with being a pastor. You know, I, I had gone through CCV. I had gone through the ordination. I had gone back to school and got some training with London Institute. So I had some Bible training and I was ordained. I was a pastor. And yet, I didn't feel like a pastor. I just didn't have this same shepherding kind of pastoral love for people that I observed in in others. I observed it in in. Uh, you know, recently, D- Danny Hinkle is a good example. He is a pastor. He is, just likes to hug people. And, you know, I don't like to hug people. I don't like to be hugged. I don't have this same feeling that pastors, and I struggled with that. 
I wanted to be able to do my job, but I also wanted to have the love that these pastors had for people. And it's like, what's wrong with me? And so I met a good friend of mine, a guy by the name of Billy Thrall, and I was uh, telling him about it. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, Larry, you're not a pastor. I go, what do you mean I'm not a pastor? Here's my business card. It says pastor right there on the, right there on the card. He goes, I don't care what it says. You're not a pastor. And I said, so what am I? He said, you're a lot like Paul. You're not an apostle, but you have some apostolic qualities or trends, meaning that you don't like to stay in one place. You like to get in, do a job, get it started, get it going, and move on to the next. Yeah, I can, so I can, I can vouch for what Larry is saying as his friend. I've watched him on multiple occasions. Uh, he'll go home at night, stay up all night long, and come back with a org chart or business plan or flow chart that would take most people months to accomplish. And I think that's part of the genius of CCB's mission strategy. It really is a strategy. And the balance we have of here, near, far, the balance we have of compassionate ministries versus evangelistic ministries, social service ministries, is is truly extraordinary. You have done a couple of things in recent years that are unimaginable. Columbia, mm-hmm. in, in getting Compassionate mm-hmm. International to have our people have access mm-hmm. to sponsor, what was it, 12,000 kids? Yeah, I think it was 11,144. You see what I'm saying, folks? Mm-hmm. Here's another one of this whole More Than Us campaign. Where how many millions of dollars did our our church give to other churches? Yeah, in the to other groups. It turned out to be six million. But in each one of these cases, Mark, you know, I can look back and I can actually feel it when there is one that's coming. Here's what I mean. So years ago, when we started CCV, we talked about someday we're going to have a soccer program that's going to be used for outreach, and it won't be detached to the church. It'll be a completely separate five hundred one c three. Well, one thing that Don had said all throughout his ministry up until he quit saying it, was that we we would never own property. Mm-hmm. We will always operate out of a school. That way we don't have to worry about janitors and taking care of the property and, and you know, all the stuff that goes in with managing facilities. And so— uh, That was before the 15th campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, lo and behold, we were at Deer Valley High School, and I think we were running, I don't know, well over 2,000, you know, setting up the church every weekend for 2,000 people or more, and uh, and it got to be just too much, and we started talking about property. And so um, we started looking. And, of course, this property at 67th Avenue and Happy Valley Road came available, but the problem was it was owned by about eight different people. And so this land was all split up in some crazy-looking uh, configuration. So the first thing we had to do was get these eight people together in a room and say, hey, we want to buy your property, but we have to, all of you have to agree because we have to replat it into a 40-acre parcel. So as God showed up and those guys agreed and we purchased 40 acres at 67th and Happy Valley for $1 million. And I can tell you the miracle that took place that led up to you know, collecting that, but it was our Miracle Sunday where we raised a million dollars, had to be cash, didn't want to do the pledge thing and all that because we wanted to have the property free and clear. Uh, that Sunday, the people came and gave and we were we were short. 
And so we counted the money and uh, Don got the elders together. I was the uh, the, the uh, campaign uh, fundraising manager for that. And, and he said, uh, let me pass out cards. So he passed out cards to the elders and said, reconsider your gift. And so we all put the new amount and we came up $6,000 over the million. So now we have uh, 40 acres. We're debt-free. One of the members of our church offered us a million dollars to purchase 10 acres on the corner. We did that. Now we have um, 30 acres, but we have a million in the bank. And so then we went and did the same thing for another 40 acres, which is now the sports field. At, at the Peoria campus. At the Peoria yeah. campus. And, um, and now we have 70 acres debt-free. And lo and behold, that same person that we sold that corner property to gave us back 70 or seven mm-hmm. of those acres. Now we're at 77 debt-free. And there's a story about how we grew. But all of that to say, we now had the property and space for a sports program. So in 2004, after we had built phase one, and now we were operating on the current campus at Peoria, we started STARS. And uh, I was happy to get that started with my experience so I could look back now and say, oh, that's why God had me playing soccer in Ohio, which no one at my age played soccer in Ohio. Um, It was either basketball, football, or baseball. And so STARS started, and uh, it grew. And and when it reached about a thousand kids, I with my other responsibilities, I had to you know hire someone. So Harry Demos came on the scene, and and uh, he's taken it to a whole new level. But I, th- that's an example of one thing. Then in two thousand nine, um, we were we were searching for something in our community uh, that we could make an impact on, and uh, we created this list of these social issues that we felt CCV could make a difference. And um, on that list, pretty far down the list, was this issue of sex trafficking. And, of course, I dismissed it because I said that's not happening in our community. So I was looking at these other things until I went on a ride along with, uh, with one of the vice squads, Phoenix vice squads, and actually pulled up on kids that were 15 years old with a backpack, white T-shirt, and jeans who was willing to get in the car with us to go have sex with us. And this was rampant. And just and to was, clarify for the audience, they didn't have sex yeah, with yeah, teenagers. Yeah, just to clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was with a vice squad. I was not allowed to say anything, and and uh, but my point was, my point is, is that this was happening, and it was happening at 19th Avenue and Bethanyham Road. Hmm. That led to CCV starting Streetlight, and I was the CEO and president and founder knowing nothing about how to run an organization that was trying to get minors off the street. So that evolved, got the infrastructure going, the organization going, and and moved on. So God used these things throughout my time here at CCV, and I could see him showing up. And as you have already mentioned, the Compassion Program, where we were able to get involved with Compassion International. Um, We went to Columbia. We asked them, how many kids do you have here in Columbia? They said 9,000. Ashley said, we'll take them all. And so the program unfolded on, on three weekends. We were in trouble because on Saturday night, we had gone through all 9,000. Yeah, not three weekends, three services. Three services, I'm sorry. Yep. And so, and so we had to get on the phone with them on a Saturday night saying, we're out of kids. What are we going to do? 
They made phone calls to Columbia. They promised that they would have more kids available within two weeks if people were willing to sponsor a kid that they have not seen or met. By the end of Sunday, we had 11,144. We wanted to start nine churches. We started 29. And then we wanted 200 people to go on mission trips, 451 on mission trips. So that's that's another example. And then, as you said, the More Than Us program where we were able to uh, give to those growing churches in our community. We ended up giving 20 to 29 churches and we still meet to this day with those 29 churches. Once a quarter, we meet with them, find out how they're doing. And it's amazing to see what God has done through the generosity of our congregation. And what you might be interested in, because what, what year was more than us? 2019? Oh, 2019, yes. So here we are four years later, still meeting with the 29 churches. And those churches are now asking how they could scale for their church to do something similar. Mm-hmm. So Larry Fraley is working on a book right now. <laughs> Sorry to release that news. Uh, but here's why. This is scalable. This idea of giving to other churches to empower other churches near you to fulfill ministries that are beyond you, it's such a winsome idea and such an intoxicating idea that the more than us churches are almost demanding a playbook of how to do it uh, in their own backyard. So there's so much uh, behind the scene that is happening. I just, uh, I just, Larry, thank you for letting me interview you. A couple more questions I want to ask mm-hmm. because I don't think people get a glimpse of what God has done through our church, but but he also does it through people. And you've been one of those silent partners that behind the scene have moved the needle in in big ways. Recently, you started a master's program and finished it in your 70s. Why? Uh, that's I've been asking myself that question. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, well, I need a I need a resume that no, it's not that. Um, you know what? The the main reason that I actually started that was I needed a way that I wanted to be held accountable for studying God's Word. And I thought, what better way would be to just get a master's degree, get a, get a master's in theology? And so I started that program, and it took four years to complete, as you know. And um, for me, it was the most um, – how should I say it? The most spiritual growth that I experienced happened during those four years. A lot of it because I spent a lot of time alone with the Lord, reading God's Word, reflecting on those passages, and then reporting on what I've learned and what I, you know, God has told me. And, and then to actually follow up and apply what I've learned to a job, I'm, I'm clearly the most blessed man at CCV. Let me, let me expound on that a little bit and now that I've said it, because now that I think about what God has done in my life, he has given me the opportunity to steward the resources of our people that is literally impacting the world. I mean, for those of you that may not be aware, we give 10% of everything that comes into the church goes into missions, and I'm responsible for that. So I take that very seriously. There's some very um, disciplined vetting 
processes and steps that we go through to make sure that we select the right uh, mission partners. And so I'm responsible for that. I've got the responsibility. I've got a, an amazing family. Most of them are actually working in the church, and they live five minutes from me. H- how much better can it get? You know, to be able to be able to serve God like this, have your family close like this, and to, to be able to just to walk through this this journey with uh, with guys like you, my, you know, my best friend. I get to spend time with Mark Moore in the Sea of Galilee, talking about Jesus, and just surrounded by an amazing group of people. So, Larry, I, I know we're running uh, close to the end of time here. I want to make an observation for our audience that the lead missions pastor at CCV is a lifelong learner. Not only is he a lifelong learner, he is a visionary, and he has not let go of this it's almost a chaotic need to do something new, fresh, and morally aligned with the heart of God. You don't have time to explain this, Larry, but I understand that you are meeting with the executive pastors to reimagine and reinvigorate missions all over again in the year 2024. Is that correct? That's correct, Mark. And I have to say, I am more excited about what God is going to do through our church and through our ministry than any time in the history of CCV and in my life. I am I'm just can't wait to see what's going to happen. So this is episode 55 of Let's Go 360. And I just want to end by praying for the health, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual of our lead missions pastor, Larry Fraley. Larry, thank you for what you're doing for our church. Holy Father, would you give power and vision to every senior leader of our church, but particularly to Larry, who has a lifetime of investment and experience through his family, through his own life, through his resources, through his relationships— would you put your hand of cornucopia blessing on him, his family, and especially the missions of CCV so that all around the world, here, near, and far, we could make Jesus famous to your glory and honor. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, thanks, Mark. Now let's go make Jesus famous. Thanks for listening to the Let's Go 360 podcast, sponsored by Christ Church of the Valley. Check out CCV at ccv.church and our missions activity at ccv.church missions, where we are trying to fulfill the Great Commission, inspired by the Great Commandments. <laughs>